Hey, if your name is Lawrence and you are in Douglas in the Northern Cape, in then that is your choice song. Well done. Uh, saying, please play the song for me, Father's House by Corey Ashbury. And as I said, Lawrence in the Northern Cape. Thanks for that choice. Lots of other choices which we will try and play as we move through. I mentioned that we were going to be chatting to Tuli Madoncella, Professor Tuli Madoncella, Professor of Law occupying the Law Trust Research Chair in Social Justice at Stellenbosch University. And last week, the fourth International Conference on Social Justice and the fifth Social Justice Summit uh, with the theme of the role of business and civil society in advancing social justice took place. On the line, we have the good Prof. Prof, thanks so much for making the time. And good morning, Michelle. Thank you for this privilege and good morning to the listeners. I think the privilege is ours, so thank you. Prof, let's just talk to the idea, this theme, the role of business in civil society. It's something that um, always intrigues me and I think is absolutely critical because it implies that nothing works. We can't just simply say this is up to government to resolve. It means that everyone, like the SDG um, 17, should be in some kind of a partnership, if that makes sense. Absolutely. That was the starting point. Does business have a role in advancing social justice in civil society? Hmm. And the majority of the people answered the question, yes. There were a few dissenting voices when we started, but when we ended, everyone agreed. Because it boils down to what do we think uh, social justice is about, which is the equal enjoyment of all rights and freedom, not just human rights, all rights and freedom, reflected in how uh, opportunities, resources, benefits, privileges and burdens are distributed in society. And business as a role, the starting point is just to do no wrong. That is yeah, advancing social exactly. justice. The second point is comply with the law. Not the, the spirit of the law in the letter, don't just take uh, uh, shortcuts. That would be labor laws, making sure that you don't cheat people in terms of, 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 of pay. You don't um, uh, only choose undocumented workers because you can cheat them. So that that's still advancing social justice. The ILO or labor legislation is all about advancing social justice in the workplace. Then it comes to society is business can advance social justice by making sure that it treats suppliers properly. There's no exploitation in the way suppliers are treated, customers are treated. But ultimately then what they call corporate social responsibility, although in South Africa they tend to call it corporate social investment. investment. And the, the, the SU Business School with the approval of participants said, let's move away from CSI and call it corporate social responsibility because we are all responsible for making sure that our ecosystem is thriving. You know, Prof, you talk about the fact that right at the beginning of the conference there were a few dissenting voices. And I imagine that some of those dissenting voices in the um, corporate sector come from, um, there are some people within the corporate sector that still believe we need to follow, um, I think it was Professor Milton Friedman who said that the the core function of business is to make profit and thereafter society will improve. And of course, everything has changed dramatically since then. I mean, it's moved, as you say, to CSR, it's moved to concepts of shared value, it's even moved to concepts of ESG, environment, society and government. Uh, governance, apologies. And it, it, it does seem that it is incumbent on business schools to start thinking very differently about the role of 
the business sector or the private sector as it sits in society? Because it doesn't sit in a vacuum. It sits in society. Exactly, Michelle. In fact, Harvard teaches business that their role first is to serve humanity and earn profits through serving humanity. But if you think about it, how business started, it started by serving humanity. It started really by producing for yourself and then having um, a surplus and then selling surplus. So it was always about addressing a societal need. And then through people like uh, by Milton Friedman, um, it was perverted. And, mm-hmm. and he was one of those economists who was wrong on many counts, including the idea that through trickling down uh, yeah. wealth, uh, after cheating people, you can then actually um, uh, have sustainable growth of business. Now, today, they understand that business growth is important, but as a service to society. And if you want business growth, and if you want it sustainably, invest in ecosystems. Mm, Absolutely. I mean, that sounds like the right way to do it. Prof, um, you do come out of these, the summit and the conference, and obviously it's critical to start thinking about what the resolutions are and what the movement forward is. You've mentioned the possible shift, and I would agree with it, from CSI to CSR. I think one could even move further beyond CSR into something which is more central in the strategy, but that's my personal opinion. What no, would be... We agree. We agree. You, <laughs> what would you think that some of the other resolutions are? What about um, the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals? We are moving towards 2030, Fast and Furious. Um, any of thoughts based on that? Absolutely. We are finalizing the resolutions and declaration, but what was common ground um, and, 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 and fully agreed is firstly that business has a role in advancing social justice in society, not just through CSI, beyond CSI. Businesses can solve social problems in society through just their core business, even before the CSI. What you choose to, to to focus on with your business could be solving a, a pressing challenge in society. It could be a climate change problem. It could be an energy security problem. It could be a hunger problem. Yeah. But So you can do that. Secondly, um, it was agreed that business has a role and must step in and be a core partner in the implementation of SDGs. Uh, The finding, which obviously comes from uh, the Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, says that only 17% of SDGs have been implemented. And uh, addressing inequalities is one of those where we are are lagging behind and um, ending Poverty is one of those we were looking behind, and hunger is becoming a problem. So it was business must be a partner. It was also agreed, fully agreed, that in the coming year we are going to focus on hunger. And of course, mm. because we, it doesn't mean you stop everything else. It just means though our flagship project is going to be hunger in terms of research, in, in, in finding out who's doing what, what, where is hunger, what does it look like, who is hunger. Who's hungry? Why are they hungry? Who's doing something about it? Um, where can we strengthen synergies? Where are the gaps? And how do we scale up? And how do we cover the gaps? And in so, t- in so addressing hunger, 
other things could also be addressed. But at least one year down the line, we can say, where was the needle on hunger 12 months ago and where is the, mm. is the needle now? And hopefully by 2030, hunger will be history globally and in South Africa. And then, of course, there was also the question of collaboration. There were even yeah. offers of collaboration, for example, between Kenya and South Africa. We agreed to collaborate on innovative tools around uh, using data science to improve social policy design by making sure that the size of the designer is not one size fits all. Because if you look at why laws fail, those who make laws model the laws around their own lifestyles. They don't yeah. meet everyone where they are. They're not intentional about addressing inequality and poverty through those laws. And as a result, we've become globally more unequal and there's more poverty and there's more hunger, despite the fact that the issue of hunger was addressed already during the time of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights 75 years ago. We also touch a little bit on peace and wars and the importance of making sure that social justice requires that in war and peace, all lives are treated equally, that civilians are not collateral damage. Yes. You talk about um, all lives being treated equally. The challenge, of course, is the role of of how we look at social media and media is that different stories are portrayed and those stories may not be the truth. We've heard of media monitoring talking about that as well. That that is a challenge for us even as individuals. It is. I must indicate, Michelle, that um, one of the deficiencies in our conference we really didn't deal with the role of the media and social media. It came here and there, um, and, but we really didn't delve on it. Hopefully, in a symposium, we'll deal with uh, what can we do through the media and what do we need to stop doing. However, our emphasis was regardless of who's right and who's wrong, what's mm. right and what's wrong, um, international humanitarian law applies. Mm. So it's it's a social justice requirement, it's a universal declaration requirement that every life counts. Uh, it, it's also part of humanitarian law that civilians should not be harmed. It doesn't matter what your reason is. Absolutely. No one is allowed to make civilians collateral damage. And of course, with the Israeli situation, during talks, we all condemned what Hamas did. It was inhuman. We, some of us also condemned uh, Israel's mm-hmm. retaliation uh, it, it, to the extent that it, it intentionally harmed civilians as collateral damage. And we said that was wrong mm, and it was a gross violation of international law. Yeah. In fact, Prof, um, it just goes back to, I quoted Naomi Klein, the author, a little bit earlier that uh, in an article mm-hmm. she wrote where she said, um, moral consistency does not equal moral equivalency, and we need to side with the child over the gun every single time, no matter whose gun and no matter whose child. Oh, I love that. I'll, I love I'll that. Send I'll get that quote and integrate yeah. it in my work. I'll send that to we you. Will have, Michelle, we'll have to be strong as civilians on war um, because... What's happening elsewhere in the world could happen in our countries. And our moral compass has diminished over time. This issue of harming civilians did not start a week ago. It has been happening over years and we've been silent as civil society. And 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 it's time we take a stand 
And and Judge Goldstein did take a stand of cool, although he retreated a bit when there was a pushback. But we have to say, um, even those who are fighting for freedom, they can't harm civilians, they can't harm children. Yes, we accept your cause. And even those who think they're defending their security, they can't harm civilians, they can't harm children. Nobody has a right to violate international humanitarian law. Professor Tuli Morancilla, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to following up on those resolutions and seeing how they get played out in our society. Of course, Prof Madoncella is a professor of law occupying the Law Trust uh, Research Chair in Social Justice at Stellenbosch University.